Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 68. We are bringing back the coaching sessions on The Gold Digger Podcast, and today I am hanging out with the incredible and sweet Carrie Moe of Type A Society. We're going to talk through some of the growing pains that they're currently experiencing as a super, super successful business. We're going to walk through how she can automate her business more, how to hire and expand her team in the right way, and how to really understand how to run a bi-coastal business in the best way possible. This episode dives really deep into some questions that Carrie has for me, and I just love pouring into our listeners in such an amazing way. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast with Jenna Kutcher, the live workshop style business podcast for creative girl bosses. So you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work, and tackle your goals along the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. This episode of the Gold Digger podcast is sponsored by HoneyBook. HoneyBook is the management software that I use to stay organized, manage invoices, get paid, and give every client an elevated, unforgettable experience. HoneyBook is offering 20% off exclusively for Gold Digger listeners. Just go to honeybook.com slash gold digger to get started and get your life back today. Hey, Gold Diggers, it's Jenna Kutcher, and today I'm really, really honored to get to do a coaching session with the incredible Carrie Moe of Type A Society. And Carrie and I have crossed paths in different ways online, and so it's really, really fun to sit down with her. And sweet Carrie had sent us an email about doing one-on-one coaching, which we sadly responded that we just don't have the bandwidth to do that at this point, but she is stepping out of her comfort zone in order and in hopes that other people can just be inspired inspired and learn alongside of her. And Carrie has an incredibly successful event planning and styling company, and they work all across the world. They've done some really big ad campaigns, done some really stunning work, been featured in Martha Stewart and all of the things. But I think that what I value about Carrie and what I'm so excited about this day today is that we just get to kind of remove the veil and talk a little bit about what life as an entrepreneur and a mother and all the things looks like and how we 
we can really be strategic in the direction that we're going. And so welcome to the show, Carrie. Oh, Jenna, thank you. Seriously, just big fan hands over here waving. We just, we really love you over here at Taipei Society. So thanks well, for having us. I'm so excited. <laughs> this is going to be so great. So first, let's just start off the episode and kind of dive into who you are and what you do and kind of where you're finding yourself at today. Yeah, well, I am Carrie, the owner, and I am living here on the West Coast. I was born here. I moved away when I got married, and I lived in Virginia for seven years. And I started a new company, actually, not this name. It was Flourish Events, and I did well, but not like Type A Society has done. And yeah, we started, it was Flourish Events. I started in 2008, 2007, and I did a friend's wedding, and she basically told another friend, and then another friend, and then I did 17 weddings one summer for free. Because <laughs> I'm crazy like that, and I love this industry, and I love the people in it. And my husband looked at me and said, "You need to do this as a career. This is a money maker. Like, what are you doing doing this for free?" So in 2009, I started getting experience, and I worked for a high-end wedding planner in D.C. So Myrna Grossman, I owe you everything, Myrna. I love you. And then I worked for a florist that is pretty well known out in D.C. as well, and got experience and more experience. And in 2010, I started my own company called Flourish Events. I was a big girl. I got myself a studio. I got myself a little studio mate to split my rent costs with me. And I had hung all the pictures on my wall. And I was sitting down with my clients and growing, growing. And one day I had an interview with a magazine, actually a local newspaper. That was what it was. They were interviewing me and how I got started and they were interested in my company. And my phone kept ringing. It was my mom. And I, I called her back after the interview. And anyway, it was just some pretty heavy news. And my whole life changed. And I decided to stop my trajectory of my career and move myself back to California. And I took three years off and Lo and behold, in 2014, I decided to get back in the game and rebranded, named my company Type A Society. And in one year, it was like this crazy from the ground, bottom floor, like absolutely middle of nowhere place that I live now up to this crazy high place of industry knew us and now had respected us. It was fast moving and really an incredible ride from 2014 to 15. And that is what I have now, this type A society. It's a little business that has just grown on and gone much further than my former business with just some basic branding and marketing and yeah, just some strategy too, like you, Jenna. So yeah, I'm just excited to where we are now today, but that's kind of the little backstory of my business. It's a styling business here. We're on Virginia. We have Veronica Rogers, who's my incredible East Coast director, and she's basically does everything I do plus more. <laughs> and then we have Kelly in Chicago, and she is a stylist and she's by trade visual retail manager. So she does all of the visuals and is incredible at all the product styling. And then myself, who manages it all and kind of holds it all together. That's amazing. So, I mean, the journey in itself is just so crazy. And especially when you are giving yourself time to reflect on where you started and where you are right now, it's pretty astonishing. Sometimes I think we sometimes put our heads down so much and are just doing the work that we kind of forget like, holy cow, girl, you've done a lot of things and it's pretty remarkable. So if I were to ask you right now, what would you say is working in your business? And then on the adverse side, what isn't working for you? you guys. Right. 
So I am so thankful. Like I think I mentioned before, we have an incredible client list where we just worked with Ritz Carlton. We did an editorial for them. We were able to kind of boost their website through good imagery with style. You know, we pick the models, we pick the idea, do the mood boards, put it all together for our clients and give them really good portfolio image or website imagery. So we have the Ritz Carlton. We're just entering a contract with the Marriott. We're, we're kind of in a bed and breakfast, like little beautiful, you know, Virginia bed and breakfast as well. We do a lot out on the East Coast. About 80% of our clients are on the East Coast. And I, when I chose to move back to California, knew it was going to be a rough go of it with the kind of clientele that we had in Virginia. And so, yeah, that is kind of where we are right now is I'm managing the company, but most of our clients are on the East Coast and I am here on the West Coast and my clients are mostly Virginia. They're San Francisco and LA, but it does mean a lot of traveling. So that is why I approached you, Jenna, because you have done so well about outsourcing, automating, you have associates as well. And I'm just so impressed how you cut your weddings down in half or (laughs) way more than half just to eight and you still hit your six figures. And I, while we have an incredible client list and we have an amazing growing business still, I would love to learn how to automate. I'd love to learn how to outsource and not always be on the plane and train on the automobile away from my two babies. And so I think that's the biggest challenge I face is as an owner, reaching the ideal clientele and being able to still hit that six-figure mark as you have done so well, Jenna. And so, yeah, that is, I think, something that we really are seeking. I am seeking to learn more and just get better at because I'm the kind of the bottleneck. I think things funnel through me <laughs> and I would love to learn how to you know, automate. So I totally want to get into that with you here. Perfect. So first questions first is, do you want to stay by coastal? Yes. I love our East Coast. We did three runway shows in New York. There's just a lot happening there on the East Coast. There's a lot of fashion where, you know, we can get into the fashion world too, which fascinates us. Veronica is our incredible East Coast director and has done an incredible job growing it, building it and branching out, making new connections. And I just, she's my right-hand gal. I love her so much. So yes, by far, we want to gain and grow on the East Coast more. So how are you, my biggest question then would be, how are you booking clients on both coasts? Do you think it's from your social media, from your web presence? Are you doing any paid advertising or how is that happening? Is it mostly word of mouth? It's all word of mouth. We have never done any advertising. The only form of marketing we've done is editorials. So we would do a free editorial with as a collaboration, which is in 2013, actually the main thing that really kind of started us in this crazy fast trajectory of growth was that we did an editorial with a very well-known big name photographer in this film photography world. And it was this pipe dream. It was the person that we always dreamed of working with. And Kelly at the time was in San Francisco and she just is an incredible big dreamer. And she just said, you know, what if I told you that we got this photographer and what did I, you know, what if I said that it was true that we're going to work with him and I want you to be there and help me style this. And so she taught me how to dream big and never ever second guess 
who would want to work with you. Just start at your, your dreams and go there and don't second guess yourself. Don't start at the bottom of your list, like start to the very top and believe in yourself in that way. And so from 2013, when we did that editorial, we did it for free. We put all of our tax money and refunds and all of the savings. We made it really good and we got incredible high-end models at a location that had never been shot. It was a private estate. We have friends at this Carmel Valley, you know, very ranch. It's a very, very beautiful place, but it hadn't been shot in before. And so this photographer was very interested as well in that location. So anyway, we put everything. I had just, I had a baby too. And I was like, this is it. If if I'm going to get back into the market, this is it <laughs> through free marketing. That's how we've gotten where we are. It's through word of mouth and doing editorials with collaboration purposes with different photographers and also magazines too, as we've grown magazines have asked us to do their cover pages or you know, different sections in their magazine. And they ask us to do it for free. Now they're paying us, but yeah, so that's kind of how we've grown is just free, you know, work with collaborations with editorials. And now we get paid for our editorials, but that's how we started. Okay. So what would you say if I asked you what an average day looks like for you personally, you know, just what your normal workflow hours and what you're working on looks like? What would you say? Well, I work two days a week, nine to five, that's Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I am currently in the process of, I have a babysitter slash nanny that watches because my kids are young. They're not school age yet. I have a one-year-old and a five-year-old, almost five-year-old. He's in pre-K. So I do have an incredible babysitter and she's in the process of actually, she got an acting job down in LA. So she's moving down there and I'm in the process of finding a new nanny. So, so that's always been a bit of a challenge too, is the freedom to have the time in transitions like this, but, um, two days a week, nine to five. And then I've, also been waking up, call me crazy, but I've been waking up between four and four thirty AM and working until my husband goes to work at nine. So I do get four to five hour chunks in the morning as well. And and that is just in this season, I really want to turn it around so that while the income and the clients are mostly in Virginia and I do take commissions off of the girls' work, I take commissions off of Veronica's and Kelly's, that way I can have my own way of automating my business, my freeing up my time more to be able to sell maybe stock shop images online or like you have done, Jenna, so amazing through courses and things. So that is kind of what I'm doing right now. Four in the morning, 4.30 to about nine, two to three days a week. And then I work Tuesday and Thursday, nine to five. So what are the tasks that are taking up most of your day when you're working? I would say in my inbox, tackling my hello inquiries, hello at Taipei Society, going through all of them. And at this point, we have some templates, but a lot of them have feel like I, they need to be personalized because they're asking for quotes for editorials. And I have to know exactly where the location is and I need to know how many models they want in order to price it out of, you know, correctly and to make a good profit. Mm-hmm. So it does the inquiries to get a contract back or quote back to them. It just takes <laughs> so much time. Oh. But I'm going to stop you right there because I feel like right then you're buying the lie that so many of us have bought for way too long <laughs> that only you can screen those oh. because 
you can train somebody. So before I hired Caitlin, which you've emailed with Caitlin and she's amazing. She did almost, I mean, she set up this entire thing with you and handled it all. And while I value you and love you as a friend, you were still taken care of, correct? Yes. Right. And you were still heard and seen. Right. And we ended up doing this, which is probably even better than what your initial request was. And so I think that one of the biggest things when it comes to outsourcing is believing that lie that only we can do things in a certain way. And if you think about what your inbox actually looks like, the amount of those specific inquiries is probably 5% or less than the monotony of chasing your tail. And one thing I think is super interesting and something that I've learned and and I have tried to apply and I am far from perfect is if we wake up and our inbox is the first thing that we're doing, it's one, controlling our days, but two, it's creating more work because if we're responding and then they're responding back and then we're responding back, we're creating this conversation whereas most of it could be addressed in maybe one or two emails instead of a back and forth. And so I have tried really hard to get into the process of creating first and then consuming second. Mm -hmm. And I think that our inboxes take up so much time. I mean, I am not a perfect example of this because right now I just looked and I have a tab with my inbox showing and the number growing and that gives me anxiety (laughs) and that takes control. I mean, honestly, Carrie, so it was so funny when I first met Caitlin, she literally had to ask me three different times if she could work for me. And every single time I said, no, I've got it or no, this is too specific (laughs) or no, only I can do this. And finally I was like, okay, you can log into my inbox from eight to 10 because I'm at the gym anyways. And then when I get home, then I'll take over. And within a week of doing that, I was like, take everything. I never want to open my email again. You're doing a great job. And so if you can just hire somebody that has a heart like you and they have communication skills, which is important, mm-hmm. and they know where your brand voices and kind of the way that you communicate with your clients. If I was still answering my inbox, I would never have created a course or had a podcast because your bandwidth is so much more narrow when you do that. And so that would honestly be where I would absolutely start with you. And the cool thing about it, and maybe on my blog post with this episode, I'll post a photo of what our inbox process looks like, because basically Caitlin will flag emails that go into a specific folder titled Jenna. Okay. And those are the only emails that I need to worry about. Okay. So if they're in the main inbox, they're not my worry. And if they're not flagged with my name, then I don't worry about them. So for example, Example, since we're being totally candid and live right now, mm-hmm. inside of my folder, I only have right now, I have 24 emails out of probably the 150 we got today. Wow. And by the time they get to me, Caitlin has already gone back and forth with them. She's already negotiated or talked about different things. She's already sent them the initial rates. I only see a client request when they are about ready to book. Wow! And so just taking that off of my plate has freed up so much mm-hmm. time. And it's just that lie that we believe that like only we can quote things or only we can get into the specifics. Mm-hmm. If you can just train somebody to communicate in a way that you would like them 
them to. And then the other thing, too, that we we decided early on is if Caitlin's going to respond to something, she'll respond as herself. And that way, if I need to step in and say, oh, hey, I'm so sorry, Caitlin and I, you know, crossed wires and I would actually like to do this a little bit differently, Mm -hmm. then it's not like I'm retracting my initial statement. You know what I mean? So what would you say for me? Do I hire somebody who knows how to quote custom quotes, though? Because mine is always custom. So there's a range I know that I'm going to hit mm-hmm. profit wise, but I have yep. to also add or take away depending on location and depending on model costs. So there yep. is some customization, even though I can kind of get a range of what I need to quote them at, that I do feel mm-hmm. like I need to have a personal touch on. Otherwise my profit margin won't be there. So would you yep. hire somebody that has known the editorial world and know how, you know, or would you just know? Okay. So what I would do is, and this is what we've started doing is we have, so basically if somebody inquires, so let's say I get asked to speak at different things mm-hmm. almost daily mm-hmm. and Caitlin will respond with a template that says Jenna's speaking rights start at X amount of dollars mm-hmm. and her schedule is limited to blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And then if they come back and they either want to negotiate that rate or they want to talk more, that's when I'm looped in. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times you're likely getting inquiries that aren't the right fit anyways. Mm -hmm. And so if you're taking that time to go back and forth with them only to discover that they can't afford you or it's not the right fit or the timing doesn't work out, that's wasted time on your end. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So like we just do like starting at and I mean, it's not like you're never you're going to be blocked out of your inbox. Like you can jump in whenever you need to. A lot of times, Caitlin, she has two daughters, so she'll log off around noon. And then if I happen to be in in the inbox and I see stuff coming through, I can respond. Mm -hmm. But at the same point, I don't have the gravity of responding to things that I see that I know aren't the right fit or are just, you know, reaching out emails or things like that, because I was feeling a lot of guilt. Do you feel inbox guilt ever? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, I mean, it's true. Really? It's true. It's yes. so silly. But so that would be, like, oh my gosh, I'm the easiest <laughs> place to start. Yes. yes. And I think that, you know, it's a control thing. And what we did was, is I gave her the full reins for a week. And I said, anything you have questions on, flag me in it and I'll respond. And then she kind of took notes on how I was responding to certain things. So we kind of made like a cheat sheet and she would pay attention to the language I used, the way that I spoke. And then the next time it came through, she kind of was equipped to respond to that. But when you start looking at it, I mean, I would gather to say a lot of entrepreneurs are spending at least two hours in their inbox daily, Mm -hmm. if not more. And I think, too, it's one of those things that we're checking it before we go to bed at night or first thing when we wake up. And now it's becoming controlling in terms of our creativity as well as what we're actually getting done in the amount of time that we have to work, whether that's limited or exponential. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I mean, I'd say about two hours a day go into emails and custom quotes for inquiries for the East Coast and the West Coast and just responding to people who have wanted to work with us and then getting back to all the inquiries. And then the rest of the day goes towards future projects, research on the current clients that I've booked and getting mood boards, all the ideas, inspiration together, researching all the product that I'm going to be purchasing for that editorial And then we are now branching out. So most of the way we've earned money in the past has been wedding planning, but really we're designers at heart. We are, we just love that whole aesthetic design portion of the weddings and the administrative. We have a gal on our team, Kiara, who if 
Veronica or any of these girls on my team are listening. I love you guys so much. Oh my gosh, I could not be doing this without you. Thank you, thank you. So one girl on our team is especially gifted at administrative details while Kelly and Veronica and I are more, we're all stylists and by heart have the best and we're the most talented in that. So she'll take the administrative work and then we will take on the design portion of it. And that's why we branched out more and more with a client that we had called the Mrs. Box. They really threw us Mm -hmm. into this product world, which we love and we've just grown more and more. And so styling is really our forte, but that being said, so much customization that I do, I really, I can hear you here saying I need to step away because it is eating up my time and not allowing me to book clients. Well, and I think too, I mean, what percentage of your time truthfully, like as best as you could estimate is actually styling? Right. When I've calculated it, I'm pretty shocked. I yeah. Like I mean, it's like 5% of your time, truly maybe a day on a small styling thing for Instagram. But then when I'm out there on a gig, of course, I'm there for two days in Joshua Tree or I'm in, you know, Virginia or I'm in L.A. And it's like two to three days. And that's nine to five styling. So Well, and I think, too, with when it comes to outsourcing and and starting to let go of certain things, what's most important is, I mean, I, I say this a lot, but I feel like a lot of us are white knuckling our businesses and we're believing all those lies that are saying, like, only you can do these certain things, which then is burning us out or we're feeling like at the end of the day, what did I even get done today? Mm-hmm. And I think that with outsourcing, I mean, in the last year, I built up an entire team, but it didn't happen overnight. And there was a lot of growing pains and a lot of learning moments. But at the same point, I hired a team that loved me as a person Mm -hmm. that is like grace giving. And then I gave them the capacity to say, take a look at this. Is there a way that we could simplify this? Even some of that administrative stuff. Like what if you created a system so that you weren't doing all the research so that somebody could come to you and say, hey, I looked for this type of chair and here are five options. Here are their prices and here's when they can be delivered. Almost like a sourcer for you where you can say, here's the overall feel and vibe but you're not sitting there with 18 tabs open trying to source the perfect wicker chair or something, for instance. Right. And it's like that stuff you can tell yourself like, well, that's the stuff I love. But at the end of the day is opening a million different websites and trying to find something that's in your budget that can be delivered. That is the perfect feel. Is that really what you love or is it actually hands on type stuff? You know what I'm saying? Right. Totally the hands on type stuff. So when you made that transition from okay, I'm going to do eight weddings, but I'm still going to make the same amount. So your time percentage beforehand was you hadn't hired Caitlin at that point. So you were in the inbox doing all the work, doing all the things and flying. And then you said, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm going to raise my prices and I'm going to go down to eight Mm -hmm. and I'm going to hire Caitlin. And you still made the same amount. Now, how do you work that out with your associates? Do you charge them a percentage or do they take the full wedding and then you take a commission from them or... Nope. So, I mean, I think it's going to look different for everyone. And so I went up, up, up in terms of weddings. And the highest year I had was 30. Uh And that was the year where online I looked like I was killing it and everything was awesome. But in my personal life, I was exhausted. I was anxious. I was stressed. And, and I was always very honest about that. I never wanted to look like, oh, I was just this persona. But at the same point, while my career was like hitting the heights, my personal life was never worse. And so Drew and I had had a conversation and 
for some reason I was wrapping so much worth up in that six figure number. And we were saying, well, do we really need six figures? Like we never lived on six figures before and we're living in a village and you know, what is enough? Like how can we define enough for us? And it looked like cutting that in half. And what I was going to make that year was 50 grand. And to me, I was like, that's what I made at my corporate job. That's what we lived off of. And we were like way happier because I wasn't this like burnt out, stressed out human, you know? And the funny thing is, is that I think that we put so much value on monetary things and money, but we don't value our time. And one of the reasons why I wanted to talk with you is like, you talked about like you're a mother and like your time away from your family needs to equal something. Like there's got to be some balance on this scale where if you're gone styling this shoot and then by the time you pay all the other people, you're walking home with pennies. Was it worth And in the creative sense, it absolutely is. But in the monetary sense, it's not. And in the time sense, it's not. And so it's like, where do you find that balance? And so I think it first starts with defining enough. But the second thing was, is I started to actually value my time a lot more. So when I look at you, I'm like, your time is even more valuable because here you are, you're a mother, you're managing a team, you're married, you know, you have all these things. And where are you placing the value? Is it on the money or is it on the time? And I think that for you, especially just knowing your heart, it's on the time. And so it's not necessarily how can I make more money by doing less? It's how can I make more value out of my time, whether that's time spent with my kids playing on the floor or if that's time where I'm actually getting paid to do what I love. And what I was finding is, let's say you're working a nine to five day, but two of your hours are in email. Is email moving your bottom line at all? (laughs) No, it feels like it's just never ending, like throw it out to the void. I mean, we get our books and I do get commissions off of each one of the gigs that the girls book and the ones, of course, full commission. I make the full amount when I book it myself. But if I don't want to book it myself, travel all the way down, travel, fly, speak, I say no. Mm -hmm. And then that means I make less. (laughs) Right. And I think the funny thing too is so, and this would be something to really think about then is when we decided to take on an associate, it was not an easy decision because you're trusting someone with your name and like your baby, you know, like I have built this for six years and now somebody's stepping in. So one of the hardest things I think that nobody talks about is figuring out what those splits look like so that it's fair for them and fair for you. And a lot of times I feel weird about, I mean, money is just a weird thing, you know? And so when we start to bring court on, I first said to Caitlin, you're going to be managing this. Like, can you handle this? Because I literally am hands off with Courtney's clients. Mm. I don't know their names. I I mean, like, that sounds awful. But like, I know I reach out to them in different touch points of their planning process right. just to connect with them because it's under my brand. But at the same point, I'm not a part of their wedding day schedule. Mm. I am not a part of their contracts. I'm not a part of their financial investments. I am as hands off as possible so that I can be the best person that I need to be so that I can continue to grow this brand that they value. And so when you are looking at yourself, like you are in the driver's seat of type A and is that driver's seat being occupied by things like email when it could be more filled with visionary things. And so until I got Caitlin, 
I feel like I had my head down so deep in the day to day stuff that I was never even like able to say like, well, what is going to drive the bottom line? Mm -hmm. Like I was just trying to float, you know, (laughs) like I was trying to not get sucked in. And so things like with having Courtney, so we do a split on the finances Mm -hmm. and she does all of her own editing. Mm -hmm. And I said I would pay to outsource it. So, you know, we had options, but at the same point, it's a really good thing for both her and I, but there's also that. That respect level of like you have worked on this day and night for six years mm-hmm. and these clients would have never had it they not known you mm-hmm. and so you know if you're looking at expanding your team or expanding your bandwidth that way then having somebody to help manage that so that your hands aren't in that stuff frees you up to actually look at the bigger picture mm-hmm. yeah I mean it makes all sorts of sense you are the one that's you know the visionary behind it. You are the one that's trained Courtney. I mean, you know, the vision, you know, her style. And obviously she's handpicked specifically Mm -hmm. because she is going to give the best Jenna Kutcher experience out of all the thousands and millions of photographers out there. She was the one. So you've had this whole process of knowing her clients. They're your clients through your whole experience. And she is that Jenna Kutcher experience. And so it makes all sorts of sense. I'm the same way where, you know, it's like, okay, Remind me of the client's name again, and that's it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's hands You're like, oh my gosh. It. You're like, that's, I've trusted, I know these girls are my best friends. I know them, and their work is incredible. And I have watched them grow and continue to grow and get better and like amazing, amazing styling. And so when I release it, it's like it's in their hands, and we're going to let them have the full type A society experience through those girls. It has been the story of my life of releasing control is so much better than holding on to it. But I just can't get this final piece of automation. <laughs> I'm going to get there, but I'm getting there with this helpful advice. So Jenna, okay, so then it's a, like a split. Yeah, that's yep. that's cool. And then how do you do this with new people? So let's say we get inquiries all the time of people wanting to work with us. I'm so honored. I'm so thankful. Um, but a lot of them just go into this, Thank you very much. You know, we'll get back to you if in need, we need. But it would be nice to get and expand that as there's a lot of talented people out there and we Mm -hmm. can only service a certain amount of clients. We get a lot of people wanting to work with us. We're thankful. But with being in limited locations, I would love a girl, you know, to be in L.A. So I don't have to always travel there. Even in San Francisco, I used to be more in San Francisco. Now I'm not. I'm just trying to see if I want to expand it beyond just the you know, the three girls that I have now, but two really stylists that I have now. And we're really growing more in styling than anything else. And I just want to know, like, yeah, how do you get that resource library up and running? How do you get that automation so that they are with Veronica? We trained, I know her from the ground up. I mean, we have been together from the beginning and Kelly and I have known each other from high school. So, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, it's scary to let other people into what you've built. Right. And it's scary to find that trust. So the things that we've looked at within my business is how can we get somebody that can work with our other associates? So with Courtney, she's my main shooter. So who's going to work under her that then could be raised up to be our next leader? Mm -hmm. So what would it look like if Veronica got 
an assistant and you know like if each girl had an assistant and I mean that people do not start at 50 50 when it comes to that kind of stuff like that is this building time where you're checking like are they aligned are they the right fit mm-hmm. and so we do hourly when it comes to that and we're very fair about that but the same thing was as we gave this opportunity to Courtney's assistant who's Alex and now she's working on her team in more capacities mm-hmm. but it had to start as this trial situation and it was handpicked and I think that you know if you can trust your team to build up a team that mm-hmm. is where the true magic happens mm-hmm. and give them the autonomy and the capacity to do that right. and so when we're looking at like even growing even more it's like my support email girl ended up hiring another person so now she's freed up to do next level stuff That's and cool. then you know and so it's like we're constantly building people up and then giving them opportunities and that doesn't go to say that you shouldn't screen people really hard or anything like that like everything that we've done is very hand-picked but it doesn't all have to be you you do not need to be the cornerstone of training your girls like kiara could train somebody to do what she's doing so that now that she knows way more about your business Mm -hmm. she can move up into that maybe inbox management place or custom quote place Mm -hmm. and so i think a lot of times too is we build our teams and then we let them become stagnant and we often forget to check in with them we get to forget and ask you know do you have any ideas of ways we could simplify this process or is there something that you've been wanting to do that we haven't done yet is there something you want to just try out and see how it goes and so I'm looking at I was moving my team up Mm -hmm. so that they can train people to do what they're currently doing if that makes sense right right so then it's not necessarily me finding another Veronica but Veronica finding another you know Mm -hmm. assistant for herself that would align with her her personality too, you know, that she would love working with. Absolutely. And I think too, yeah, I mean, it's overwhelming to think about, right? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I just think it's totally overwhelming to like think about that. And then it becomes so heavy on us that we're like, I don't even know how to start. Right. And so you just have to start really small. And the other thing that's been really helpful for us is we use ScreenFlow to record our screens and our voices. So if we're going into a season of training or if we're having somebody new come on, we have created a resource library where it shows us doing certain things so that if somebody has a question, they can go back to the resource library, watch it so that we're not answering the same question multiple times. Specifically, anything computer related or software related, we're recording it, walking through it, talking through the process, and then they can watch it over and over again until they get the hang of it. Oh, cool. Oh, I'm totally taking notes here. (laughs) So then also another thing would be, okay, so there's not only but one person technically on payroll for you. There's mostly commissions, right? That is the thing is, do I venture out and taking an employee versus the girls right now? They're all independent. They take commissions. And then how do you do that with Every year, do you have them sign a contract so it renews? So we only have, so Caitlin is the only one that is salaried right now. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to be taking on one more salaried position. And that's because her work 
you know, it goes through seasons and ebbs and flows, but she left her full-time business that she built from the ground up to do this. And so I think that security piece and then the fact that she is only working for me. Nowadays, Mm -hmm. the government is getting more strict on contractors. So if you have contractors and they're only working for you, the government is going to say they need to be employees because they're not making money from anyone else. Therefore, they're not technically a contractor. They're an employee. So with Caitlin, like she has a salary and she also gets a commission on projects that she helps me on. But the rest of my team is mostly hourly, actually. So most of them make between 20 to $50 an hour, depending on what they're working on and what they're doing. And then we track time and pay through that way. So, I mean, it is overwhelming. And I would just my biggest advice for anyone listening would be to have a really good accountant that can see the ins and outs of your business and advise you on what the best direction to go is. Anything that we are going to decide financially, we always run it by them just to see if there are any better decisions or different tax things that we could be doing. And so Mm -hmm. while that's all super overwhelming, I think too, my biggest thing is that I want my employees to feel driven and there are going to be some weeks that are real seasons of hustle and that you're going to be doing overtime or we're going to be up late. But then there are seasons where you can take a four day weekend and enjoy that too. And so the best way we found is is just hourly so that people feel like they're getting paid for their time and everyone's kind of getting what they are working for. That's so awesome. Oh, I love it. Gosh, I just, I love being able to, you know, get good advice like this. Thank you, Jenna. I just feel like leading a team is so difficult and Mm -hmm. being your own artists is hard in the first place to make a living off of art and which is our company really with design, designing weddings, designing editorials, designing for companies, you know, getting their product and styling their product. So it looks amazing. That's hard to make money off of anyway. It's an art form. Mm -hmm. (laughs) For me, money has never been a big deal. I really could just take it or leave it. It's not a motivator factor for me at all. I'm way more about art. Like I want to be inspired. I want to inspire. I want to make art. I want to create it. I want to make amazing imagery that inspires people, encourages people's heart. I just feel like this world, we're constantly faced with sad news, sad things. It's just a hard place to live. You know, we all experience tragedy at some point, I feel like, and we can't, we cannot get around that. And so a big part of uplifting my soul has been to create beauty And I feel like it's essential in this world as there's so much negativity and bad news around us that we need to put out that light, put out that hope, put out that beauty that will just, if we didn't do it, we would just, it would be continually just sadness. You know, I feel like we need to put that out to encourage people to really speak into people's life. So I will do that without getting paid every day. And then, that's but you not should easy get paid to run a company, you know, off nothing. So, yes. <laughs> so, what? Here's my biggest question for you: Is what can you do that only you can do in terms of your business? What is the thing that only you can do because it's you? Oh, well, we all have our distinct style, type A. But what's has, yours? Yeah, yeah. You know, like you got to dig into that and and really think about that. And and it can change over the seasons and over the years. But but when I finally took a step back and I said, this is what I'm focusing on is only I can create content. Right. 
in the way that I create it. And that is my gift, whether that's photo content or visual or podcast or whatever. If I can put as much of my hours into creating content and getting all of the other stuff off of my plate in terms Mm -hmm. of whatever that looks like, I will end up making more money because I'm doing the things that only I can do. Right, right. I think you know? for me, it's, it's encouraging teaching. I love teaching. I love working at workshops. I've always loved being a speaker at a workshop, plus the showing the styling and putting out the portfolio. I love looking at photographers' portfolios and, and seeing like maybe ways that they can strengthen them. I love seeing it through the editor's perspective because I know a lot of editors as well. So it's fascinating to, to connect the editor's mind with the photographer's mind and get that portfolio boosting and going and seeing, you know, putting out better imagery, what it does and how it really reaches a brand as well as that just real voice and the person behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, I love helping photographers do that and creating content for them too. So yeah, that definitely creating content and in an uplifting, encouraging way, which is kind of, you know, our brand is to really encourage and speak hope to people through visual content and through authentic connection too. Absolutely. So I would say your homework then would be to really like sit down and say, what is it that only I can do within type A? Like the, and truly, I mean, you got to be honest about it because it's like, if we're like, well, I can send the invoices and I can collect the payments, (laughs) you know, we're never going to get anywhere. And so I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of us started because we were passionate about the art, but we forget the fact that most of our days are spent doing anything but the art. And so how can we get back to those gifts? Mm -hmm. And then how can we empower other people to take those other things off of our plates and do it in a way that gives them that sense of ownership? And I mean, I'll be honest, like when I see how much I'm paying my team every month, I have a heart attack. Like it is terrifying. But then I see the big things that we're doing and I know that I couldn't do that. And just like you said, like you love your team and you couldn't do what you're doing. What would it look like if we could get Get you back to doing what only you can do and empowering and raising up more people to do some of that other stuff. And, you know, it's funny. There was a time when I wouldn't even outsource my editing because I'm like, no one can edit like I can. And I have the vision. And so instead of giving up editing altogether, I said, well, how about I edit the stuff I love and get the rest of it off of my plate? And who was I to think that a woman who loves editing for a living couldn't do it as well as I can? She can probably do it better than I can. And so a lot of it is just deciphering those lies and breaking them down and then just backing them up with like total truth. Mm-hmm. Gosh, it's so true. I mean, I think we tell ourselves lies without even realizing it. Mm-hmm. I think that we- we're good convincers. Wow. And I think that element of control is just really a stumbling block. I know that because, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm type A too. Hello. I named my company that. <laughs> and we did so in a humorous manner. It's not because we're so like hard to work with. We actually, mm-hmm. we're very flexible when it comes down to projects and management. But when we come down to the details, we laugh because our houses can be a wreck and dishes can be piled high. But when we're styling this one scene, it's so funny how type A we can be. Or mm-hmm. we're working on this one project, it can be like all intense and to the down to the very finest fabric thread. You know, like what kind of Indian hand block we're going to find all the Indian 
can block artists on these textiles. So we just get into it and we fall in love with it. So we were just laughing one day when we were ironing ribbons at like 12 o'clock in the morning for an editorial the next day, like, well, you should not worry about these ribbons. They're going to get wrinkled in transition anyway. You know, nobody's going to even notice. And Kelly and I were laughing, like, we should call ourselves type A something because this is what we are. (laughs) But at the same time, the element of control is a very bad thing for Mm -hmm. growth and for real impact and really reaching out to people in a way that uplifts and encourages them. You have to let go and learn how to do that in a manner that teaches other people. And and, and once I give something to the wonderful and amazing people who have worked for me, Veronica, I mean, she's only succeeded and done even better Mm -hmm. than what I could have done and the things that she thinks of and adds to it. It's incredible. So I love watching somebody take an idea you have and expanding upon it and growing it and making it even better. And I think that's something yeah, we just need to do as business owners. It's a fight, daily fight, really control. It is. And I, I think that that is all, I mean, everyone goes through that. And I think I've spoke at workshops about outsourcing. And while it sounds all good and dandy, there is work behind it. But we fool ourselves into thinking that that work is greater than the amount of time that we're spending doing the things that we need to outsource. And so, you know, it's just, I look back and I was like, I was white knuckling everything and just like saying a prayer that I would stay caught up and stay on top (laughs) of it and stay looking good. Mm -hmm. And it was like, once I even just loosened my grip just a tiny bit, I felt like my hands were finally open to all the possibilities. And right now, I mean, I just got off of a four day weekend with my family and my mom said that she was telling somebody about all the things I'm doing right now. And they're like, wow, she must be really busy. And my mom was like, honestly, she's the most balanced she's ever been. And I feel like Uh. when you can truly truly be in the driver's seat and see that bigger vision, that bigger thing. And you can lift your eyes up onto the road ahead of you instead of just looking down at what's right in front of you. I think that's when you truly, truly become an entrepreneur because you're back to being creative again and you're out of the monotony. Crash, I totally agree. I, what the beginning first events when I started in 2009, 10, I was white knuckling it all the way, learning, learning, working two different jobs as well as my weddings. I was just stressed out of my mind, always trying to gain experience, trying to make the connections, do the big weddings and white knuckling it for sure. Everything was through me. I had nobody else. And I was so unhappy and miserable and my career took me away from my husband. I didn't have adequate, I mean, you know, food in the refrigerator. And it's like, sorry, I hope the clothes are clean because I haven't done laundry for ages. And it was not a good place of feeling about confidence in myself. It was not there at all. And when I took three years off and I did a lot of journaling and I said, if I'm going to go back into the game, it has to be different. It cannot kill my family. I am a mom. Like I didn't, I started type A as a young mom. It had to be put in its proper place. And It was incredible how fast we grew with me letting go of control. I mean, it was unbelievable. The years of sweat before and all the hard work and all of the labor added up to what? And here I let go. Mm -hmm. And it just, so I understand that so, like, it's this, like, I, I feel it because I experienced it. It's visceral. Like, I see it and sense it, what it means to let go. But 
yeah, it's just like this one final push <laughs> good. to get there. Well, it's so, going to be a good one. How do you do it, Jenna? So, I mean, how do you keep yourself so authentic without fearing man? Because that's a big thing for me is fear of man. Oh, yuck. Yeah. I mean, I think that when you can just put out things in terms of what you're feeling, nobody can tell you you're not feeling something. So mm-hmm. I could say I went through a miscarriage and people could say that's true. But I could also have criticism. But if I say I'm feeling something, nobody can disprove the way that I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. And so when I go to put out like hard stuff or more personal stuff or stuff that people shy away from, I usually always tell the story from the way that it made me feel because that is truth Mm -hmm. and nobody can disprove that. And I think a lot of times when we go to share things, we try to keep it very factual, which can just make it more clinical. But I think, too, I've just seen that people connect with that so much more. You know, we see enough perfect every day to remind us that we still are not perfect. And the stuff that I'm usually afraid to hit publish is always my best stuff. And I think it's just because it's coming from a place where I am being thoughtful. It's really easy to publish pretty stuff. It's really easy to hit publish, but it's the times where you're questioning what should I have done that or should I have said that? That's usually your best work. And that's the kind of work that you're going to look back and say, I remember this or this was a real part of my life. And so, I mean, I, I definitely still fear man and I still fear criticism, but I've also kind of put up a shell in the sense of no one can tell me I didn't feel that way about something. Right. Yeah, I think in this art world, you know, especially the fine, like, film world, I feel like there is this avant-garde-ness where the more vague you can be, the more artistically respected. It's just kind of sickening to me when I feel like, oh, man, that person just experienced this, but then they're putting this beautiful picture. (laughs) And you Mm -hmm. just know that the person behind that is is just truly hurting and and then we grow, we, we base our success off of the amount of likes or the engagement off that picture, but we start to feel distant from our work if we're not engaging in that authentic voice. And, mm-hmm. and I, for one, know this because I have hidden behind my work for a long time and I have gotten respected in that distance. Your work is respected, but maybe your personal life is not. And as I started to try to marry the two, I have definitely lost friends that maybe are good to, for me to lose, you know, and mm-hmm. gain more maybe fans or not fans, but followers, like people who are truly like friends in that sense that will stick mm-hmm. with you no matter what. And, and they have been my best, best clients and friends and come back to their third or fourth campaigns. So it's interesting as I kind of tested the waters too, I really do. I want to be really honest. You know, we have an incredible company, but my life is not always what it looks like. You know what I mean? Like we have normal lives. And even Mm -hmm. though my Instagram could look amazing, I am here in a little duplex, you know, working like everybody else, (laughs) paying off my husband's loans and killing it in business. But yes, my, my life is very humble. So I feel like we need to continue to be honest with ourselves be honest with our work too, but not hide behind that. And you've done that so well and you've been so brave and I just, yeah, major respect because (laughs) it's easy to hide. It's so easy and it's safer. And 
I it's like flexing a yeah. muscle. The more you do it, the more comfortable it becomes. And yeah. I mean, a lot of times I will just post and log off because right. I don't want to look at the numbers or, you know, that kind of thing, because it's not why I'm posting. And so, right. you know, it's just a lot of times of just asking myself over and over again, why does this matter? Right. Um, and then just telling that story because everything matters and the work we create matters and our clients matter mm-hmm. and our lives matter. And so just always getting back to the heart of it is like why does this matter and how can I communicate that to people that don't know what it's really like you know so right oh my goodness girl well we could talk for hours and days and (laughs) I'm just excited to see where you are headed and I think that when you can sit down and say, what can Carrie do that only Carrie can do? And something tells me it's back to the art side of things. And how can we continue to drive profits in a strategic way? But when you're focusing on doing your best work, you will get paid more at the end of the day. You'll have more balance. You'll feel more alive. And so, you know, when it comes to outsourcing that financial fear, we have to look at your motivators again. And that art and time are so much more motivating than the money. And Mm -hmm. so really, if you're spending your time doing your art, that's going to be worth more than money. But it also leads me to believe that it will lead to more financial gain. And so I'm excited to see what you're doing. I would love to hear a report back on how things are going. But where can everybody find you and connect with you? Yeah, so we are at Instagram pretty much that's it. <laughs> and I love that visual app, man. When it came out, it was like, yeah, these are my people. <laughs> We're all visually driven and we get inspired by creating art and good work. So type A society, T-Y-P-E, you know, type A is a personality and then society. And then of course our website is typeasociety.com. And actually we're just starting this incredible. I'm so excited. It's been in the works almost two years because I've sat behind my work for too long and I've been afraid of failure, but I'm doing it. I'm going to do this. It's an editorial intensive. It's totally going against what the current, not against, but it's just different from what the current workshops are. So I've been into a lot of workshops where, you know, you go, I'm the stylist they hire and I set up all of the imagery. I do like three or four editorials for 16 photographers or so that come and there's a main teacher that teaches and everybody comes and shoots the work and they go home and they put them on their portfolios and they have great imagery. While that's fun, I just feel like this industry has in the film, especially world has started to look the same. We all have the same portfolios. I feel like we have used the same work. We've worked with the same stylists and we've tried to grow our businesses, maybe not even intentionally copying their style. And so when I go through my feed and Instagram or Pinterest, I'm feeling like I see the same thing regurgitated (laughs) three different times. And somebody, you know, is here, you know, knocking off someone else's work that intentionally do maybe even doing it. And we even with our main picture of, you know, myself and Kelly and Veronica pushing our little mini Cooper, we even had somebody take that and Photoshop their heads in (laughs) and Instagram it. Now that is totally outright, you know, copying someone else's work. And they did it kind of as a joke, but I'm just, it's out there often and people definitely copy. And, and I just want to encourage the industry, like that is something let's do different. Like let's do our own work, make it personal. So I'm going to do an editorial intensive that will be designed for students or any artists who are excited about doing their own editorial work 
and it will be three days and we'll give them products and props and models and some feedback and some mentoring. They'll first shoot an editorial that will style, but the next day they're going to do their own editorial and we will show them what an editor thinks. We'll connect them with editors for magazines and help them do their own work instead of taking someone else's work and putting on their portfolio. So it's going to be pretty exciting. So look for that in the future. Maybe by the time this actually launches, just check out the site and go under editorial intensives on my website and you'll see all the information for that. Amazing. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for your time. What an awesome day. And I hope that this inspires you and encourages you too. Oh man, Jenna, thank you. I really, truly have appreciated all that you've shared. You have been an inspiration to me, friend, to be more real and share more of my heart. And yeah, you're very brave and I appreciate just this conversation. Thanks for listening to Gold Digger. Dive into show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time, you gold digging dream chaser you.